and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle! And the Leafs are most again! Hello there and welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast, Nesson.com's Mike Cole. Joined as always by Lauren Campbell and Logan Mullen. Uh, we are here to discuss the Bruins' first round Stanley Cup playoff series win over the Washington Capitals uh, and look ahead to their second round series. Before we do that, guys, how you doing? Wonderful. Swell. That's great. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Um, take a little peek behind the camera uh, this week, um, which is no pun intended. Uh, this this could get ugly because, Logan, you're uh, you're 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 playing with bad equipment this week. Yeah, so my my computer that I got after I graduated high school and um, at this point eight years ago um, is no longer working. The webcam goes in and out. So I'm just going to throw up a reaction over Zoom whenever I have yeah, so one of my many insightful points to make. So as soon as we all speak all over each other, it'll be Logan's fault. Wow. Yeah. And you're doing it now. So that's good. Uh, all right. So as mentioned, the Bruins, they won uh, five games, as predicted by Logan before the series. And that's as correct. half-ass predicted by me in our most recent episode. Um, Missed by a mile by Lauren. Yes, Lauren. Come bring it <laughs> um, so I guess we'll, we'll, you know, as we do, we'll go around the room. Uh, Logan, what are your big takeaways from, from what the Bruins are able to do to the Capitals? Um, and, you know, what's, uh, what did you just take from that, from that entire series? Well, um, I, I guess the biggest thing was I was pleasantly surprised with their ability to match physically with Washington. Like, I didn't think the Bruins got bullied at all. I, they definitely used their foot speed to their advantage, but they didn't get sucked into the whole, like, you know, gong show type play and they still fared relatively fine. Like even when they lost Kevin Miller, I didn't get the impression that they were getting worked over physically. And so I think that coupled with the fact that like a, a litany of capitals players were definitely injured. Um, you know, I did not a whole lot surprised me because I thought of the Bruins had a pretty decided advantage going into the series. So I mean, all the pieces that should have fallen into place for them did, which I think it's just a matter of good roster building and preparation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we knew the Bruins had the goaltending advantage going into the series, but I also think it kind of maybe exposed Washington's problems there. Um, I can confidently say Alex Ovechkin has a big problem with Ilya Samsonov now, and who knows if that had any – you know, fallout going into the following games. But I think overall the Bruins did everything they had, they had to do to win and they did not give into the capitals and their physicality and their kind of chippiness and getting under their skin, which I think was a big factor uh, winning in five games. This is also a tremendous start. Uh, <laughs> this is, I blame Logan. Uh, I was muted there. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't have a whole lot to add. It was pretty workmanlike. Um, the looking, it's like, I, I mean, this is easier to say in hindsight, but like the, eh, eh, eh. I like Go the games it. were, the games were close, but like it wasn't ever really in doubt, which is nuts. It kind of felt like trying to think back like the first couple rounds in 
19 where the Bruins just kind of ran through. Like, they weren't really tested, right? Outside, well, I guess first round against Toronto. That, they were. that Columbus series was hard, too. Like, they won that in six, but this, that was well, one like, of those I, got, I felt like it could have swung. Yeah, I got – I guess I got real, like, Columbus slash Carolina vibes out of this series. Um, yeah. Where, like, the games are close enough, but it never really felt desperate. And I guess that's kind of what happens when you win four in a row. Um, a lot of those Washington goals were – I guess nothing is overly fluky in that sport, especially this time of year. Like you have to get to those areas in order to get the deflections, but there were a lot of deflections. I think it was like seven out of 10 or whatever went off skates or sticks. And then I don't even know if that counts, you know, the first goal of the series where Charlie McAvoy's stick breaks in the, in the offensive zone and they've got nothing going back the other way. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty workmanlike by the Bruins. Um, and I still, and Logan, you and I talked about this, I think on Sunday night after game five, I, I still don't think they've played their best hockey. I, I mean, we saw it in the word of the series of pockets. Um, we saw it in pockets where they looked really good at times, but it, you know, I still don't think they played a great 60 minute game at any point, maybe game four. That was pretty thorough. Um, but other than that, it was, I, I still think there's another gear for them to find, which I guess, to, to dispatch a team like Washington in five games without fully going to your best, you know, to your ceiling is probably an encouraging thing. Well, and I think the thing that should perhaps be most encouraging for the Bruins is even with that in mind, Mike, I think Washington was probably the hardest team they were going to play up until you get to the final four. Like I think I would have, if I'm the Bruins and I have a choice going into the postseason, I would, much strongly prefer facing the Islanders or the Penguins than the Capitals, yeah. even for, you know, the, the issues that the Capitals had from a health standpoint, and even, you know, the goaltending wasn't as much of an issue. Like people didn't know a whole lot about Vanacek, but you know, even still the Bruins had a very clear advantage going into the series in that regard. And so I just don't think that any team that they're going to face from here on out should give them as much trouble from here on out, I should say, as they play their way out of the division. So whether they get Pittsburgh or New York, they've already, in my opinion, played the toughest team they could face early on. It's also easy to forget that we had conversations in January and February about like, are they going to go run and hide the Bruins? Like they, you know, they were, they carried the division for a little while there if I'm not getting my years mistaken, which is always a, a possibility. No, I think you're right. Um, I, I feel like we remember having conversations being like, is this thing done? And then they end up finishing third place. So that you know, nice job by. Well, well, that's what me and Lauren did for a month while you were on paternity leave. And then you came back and crap started hitting the fan and then they got better again. Sure. So, I mean, and that's you know, the natural, natural ebbs and flow of the se- of a season, but like, I don't, it, they certainly weren't like the third best team in the in the division, and so I agree with you. I I do look at the Islanders as a potentially bad matchup in some regards, um, which we can get to in a little bit. But you know, as we continue to post more in this first round series and, and things like that, I'm with you, Logan. I think this is probably the the, the toughest on paper matchup that they would have had, but that certainly can kind of change as as the series goes on. Um, I don't know what other what other talking points are. It was a relatively tame series. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys 
am I just like too far removed from it or is it just, it was kind of a, you know, like I said, a workman like uh, thing. Lauren, what do you think? I think it was, I think it was pretty tame. I think that it has the potential to get really ugly. Uh, it had the potential to get really, really ugly, but um, in game five, I was expecting just Tom Wilson to just be all over the ice, getting under everyone's skin. I was expecting some, some dirty hits, but uh, you know, the Bruins really held their own. And I think Washington, maybe in game five, they were just like, even though our backs are up against the wall, it's just not worth, like, we're all hurt anyway. It's just not worth even trying to further our, our injuries. I, Logan, yeah, do you, Logan, do you think it is it? Do you think it's weird sh- it didn't get nastier? Yeah, I was shocked it didn't get worse, but I, I don't know. I think like the Bruins felt that they appropriately handled the Orlov thing, and after that, I think all of Game Five, and maybe this is just because it's what I thought they should have done, and so I was just looking for com. I had confirmation bias, but like. I think they got to a point where they realized once the dirty stuff really started happening and like the questionable Orlov hit, and that was when Tom Wilson was like, you know, hitting guys from behind and whatnot. I think they already looked at it at that point as, okay, well, we're pummeling Washington in game four. We're one win away from game five. Are we really going to do something stupid that's going to get somebody suspended going into the next round or somebody hurt going into the next round? Because the, whether they admit it or not, I think they knew once game four was about two thirds of the way through that they were winning the series. I think at that point it was pretty clear that they had taken the wind out of Washington's sails. And so I think the opportunities that it had to get a little bit nastier, it was probably the Bruins were more well advised to just pass on it. Um, so I don't know. I, I disagree with a lot of the takes on the Orlov hit. I think he made a stupid decision trying to go for the body. I don't think it was deliberately nasty. I know Cassidy was pissed about it and a lot of guys seemed miffed by it, but like, and I don't know, maybe you watch the replay a few more times and you think, are we really going to get ourselves all tangled up in dumb stuff because of this? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he jumped like, that's my biggest issue with it. And like the optics of it are not good. And, so I, I understand why the Bruins were pissed at that. I thought Coyle handled it as well as he could have. Um, and I, I just thought, like, the Bruins played a, a very smart series. Like, they once, you know, they kind of took uh, Washington's best, you know, best shot early on in the series, especially in game one, especially, like, early in game one. Um, and I think, you know, being able to come back and, and win game two and really – kind of set the tone for the rest of the series. Like that kind of got the snowball rolling and they were able to kind of do what they wanted. They stood up for themselves when they needed to, and not necessarily like the coil thing, but they took hits and they moved pucks when they, you know, they were, they matched the the Capitals physicality maybe without being able to, to go to the Capitals level, if that makes sense. Like I've heard other people say this before too, but there's more to physicality than just running guys into the third row. So like, you know, if you can handle what's being doled out to you as well, there's there's you know there's value in that as well. So um, I, I thought they did that, and they haven't done that at times in the past, or at least you know later. Maybe it's you know you look at the St. Louis series, and you can say is that just they kind of ran out of gas and they got pushed around, or were they just pushed around and didn't want to fight back? And if you think it's the latter, then you should be encouraged by what you saw against Washington, because like I said, they were able to to kind of take those hits and and move move pucks and just you know they didn't let it 
get in the way of, of what they were trying to do. And as the series went on, they were able to impose their will, not necessarily physically, but with what they were able to do, you know, on the ice. So encouraging in that regard. Um, I, you know, what do we guys, what do we think about the, about the layoffs? Does it hurt, help? Well, who, who has a, a take on that? Lauren, do you, where do you fall on that side of the debate? I think, I mean, I think it depends how long this layoff is. If the game one, you know, say game one is Monday. Now we're talking over a week and they had a significant layoff. Um, was it last year or the year before when they, then they decided to have that scrimmage to get their, keep their legs fresh and everything like that. And, well, they had a very, they had a very long layoff last year. Yeah, it was. The one the year before was about the, four months. They walloped Carolina and they, <laughs> yeah, they had the scrimmage and that was when Marshawn hurt his hand or something. Right. right? Right. Yeah, that was it was a, it was like a it was like two weeks. I think it was like an ultimately an ill-fated scrimmage. Yeah. Right. So I think that's what's keeping me kind of pessimistic about a longer layoff. Um, I know that there's as of right now, as of Wednesday, there's no plans for a scrimmage or anything like that. But you know, it's it's good in a fact that it helps them stay rested. It helps them, you know, be ready for the next series. But you've been out of game action now for about a week. Um, even with practices and some time off, there's nothing like playing in live games. It felt like forever the layoff between the regular season and the playoffs because they finished their regular season on a Tuesday and didn't start the Washington series until Saturday. Well, and, and they also they, played like a – that Tuesday game was a fake game too. That Tuesday game was a fake game, and the Monday game was kind of a fake game too. Yeah. They, they skated a full roster, but I, I just – I don't know. I – if there was more of a rust factor with them, like if we had seen, I don't know. The, I, the only thing I have to go off of is what happened a couple of weeks ago at the end of the regular season. And they looked fine going into Saturday when they started in the bubble. I think we all remember how bad they looked in those exhibition games. Who so they play Columbus and they just looked like utter garbage. And I don't think the layoff this time around is going to be so long that it'll ultimately hurt them. But I think if you're, the Islanders, for example, and you roll into the next round after having just won a series, a thrilling one at that, then you're probably riding a little bit more of the momentum factor if you believe in that. Um, but I, I think ultimately town will have to win out, right? It's not like there's going to be a 10-day layoff. I would say, yeah, maybe I'd start to get a little concerned if, like Lauren said, you're not looking at game one until Monday, and at that point they've had eight days off. But – that I think overall that's probably more of a meeting talk, uh, a media talking point than anything else. They won game one of the cup final four to two in 2019. They lost game two in overtime and then they won game three, seven to two. So for as much as we put into that storyline back then, they actually played pretty well and even better than I remembered. So um, my, my only take is that they've talked themselves into it being a good thing. Um, you know, Sweeney talked about it on Monday, and even Cassidy kind of touched about it on, on Sunday. You know, <laughs> the world that we live in, they were able to get some vaccinations done. So that's, that is an encouraging sign for them. Um, it, you know, as we kind of just got done talking about, like it wasn't, it wasn't a war, but it was still a pretty physical first round series. So it's, it's always good to put your feet up for a little while. I think those two days off were probably very well received. So I, you know, they've spun it down, uh, down, you know, I was gonna say on Causeway or down in Brighton, whatever you want to say, they've spun it into a good thing where they, they think that there's just enough rest 
um, to kind of regain their bearings and not, you know, overly, uh, overly rest. So yeah, Logan, you're probably right. It's, it's probably more of a talking point than anything else, but that's kind of what we get paid to do here. So talk about it. That's a great point. Thank you. Uh, all right, let's get into second round series. This is, uh, well, I guess the, <laughs> are, I don't know this. Are we going to call this the second round or the East division final? That's a great question. It is a great question. It would be the Mass Mutual East Division. The Mass Mutual East Final. They should play it at the Mass Mutual Center. That'd be sick. That would be fun. Um, oh, on that point, uh, so the Bruins are playing the Islanders um, in the second round uh, after the Islanders closed out the, uh, the the Penguins in six games on Wednesday night. Um, that means the Bruins have home ice advantage, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which means they're going to be playing in front of a full building when the series inevitably starts, which we still don't totally know. So, That's correct. Um, well, actually, by the time this is out, we, we might know. So that I, I should probably not go out of my way completely to date this thing. Uh, Logan, you said you were doing a little bit of research into the Islanders. Um, I did some really quick research into the Islanders, and that is I p- pulled up the Bruins hockey reference page, went to the splits, and found that the Bruins went – Three, three, and two against the Islanders. They outscored by three over those eight games. However, they did win the final three meetings of the season. Some real Jekyll and Hyde uh, stuff going on here. But Logan, you said you were kind of digging into the Islanders. What do you think of Barry Trotz's team? Well, so every time, and maybe this is just because we spent all season watching the same seven teams over and over again but I have always been thoroughly unimpressed with the Islanders which I was also thoroughly unimpressed with the 2019 Blues so that doesn't necessarily mean anything um they're like any other Barry Trotz team I think where you watch them and it's like I know that they're good like I can see the actual product in front of me that they are good but I could not tell you why they're good um, and, and I think basically it's just a crap load of depth. Um, you know, I, I do think they might be without Oliver Wallstrom for a little while and who's going to replace him is probably going to be Travis Zajac, who's like seasoned veteran store brand, David Krejci, and he's been healthy scratched to start the series. Um, so, and, and like JG Pajot, the haul that they had to give up for him, he was like King of the Ottawa senators and he's their third line center. Um, so, they're just loaded with depth and very good defensive players. Like I think structurally they can be very similar to the Bruins in that they're the type of team that tries to bear down defensively. Now, granted they were second in the NHL in goals against. So they like, and their goalies, Semyon Varlamov was having a Vezina caliber season. It was supposed to be Ilya Sorokin's season. They've gone with both of them already in the playoffs. And so and their top pairing, Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak, are both just, like, very steady, more almost stay-at-home types. Like, they're not the Charlie McAvoy 200-foot guys necessarily, but they're just very reliable defensive players. So, you know, you talk about workmanlike with the Bruins. Like, the Islanders are a very tidy team where it's steady scoring in the top six, a very solid fourth line, a third line that has a high ceiling, decent defensive depth, and – for the most part, steady goaltending. And so I think there's a reason that they gave the Bruins a harder time than anybody else during the regular season. And even if my eye test is telling me I have no clue why these guys are actually good, uh, the, the fact of the matter is that they have had the Bruins number before and the results speak for themselves. 
Here's a take that's not going to age well. Uh, they're like the store brand Bruins, just in general, like across the board. Yeah, when it's Islanders and four. <laughs> yeah. Chucklehead. I mean, I do a lot of my shopping at this, this you know, store brand. Um, yeah, I. you kind of look at their roster and, like, you know, outside of Barzal, there's, there's not a whole lot that really jumps off the page. It's a lot of names that you know, right? It's like if I was to do – if I was to fire up NHL 21 or whatever and – you know, maybe I got the the first or second pick and I grab Connor McDavid or something. And now I have to sit around and wait. And then eventually I just kind of space out. Like I'm going to start drafting guys like Brock Nelson or JG Pajot. Like it's the, you know, they're names that are familiar, but they aren't, you know, they aren't household names, if that makes sense. Or maybe they are household well, names just because they – I was this way about Travis Zajac, where when he was with the Devils too and he started being kicked around as a possible trade guy, that was like, I know that Travis Zajac is good. And then you pull up his hockey reference page and it's like, wow, this guy's like a 50-point scorer every year. Yeah, so that's, that's why I feel like the Islanders are like – are a bunch of guys that are way better than you think they are. Like, like Brock Nelson is a great example. It's like, oh, Brock Nelson's fine. He had 18 goals this year um you know it's just loaded with guys like that that's fair i don't mean to be disparaging of anybody i just feel like you look at that entire roster and it's like they these guys i'm just gonna guess that they all play 16 minutes a night like (laughs) you know i don't know this just it seems like very ambiguous or is that the not the word word? they i i don't know like but that's maybe a good thing is and that kind of speaks to the depth is that you're not top heavy to your point um, I, I like that fourth line, you know, at least again, it's some, there's some name value there. Maybe that's part of my, my reason with like Martin, Sezikis and Clarebuck, but like, yeah, I, I think that they, they do a lot of what the Bruins can do. And I, I think they have a very, very good head coach. This might be one of the only series that the Bruins could have across the entire NHL where I don't think they have a, a coaching advantage. So that's something that, to keep in mind there too. So. It's going to be a slog. I think that's the my biggest takeaway is that this is not – I mean, the Bruins could win this in four or five, but, like, it, it it won't feel easy. And it's just, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, a repeat of what we saw in the first round. But I think it's just the matchup – you're going to get there in a little bit of a different direction or avenue. Lauren, what do you think? Yeah, it, it's tough saying that I think that the Islanders are going to be a tougher matchup than the Capitals. But – they're a tough team. We've seen that all season. The Barry Trotz has the Bruins number. Um, Kyle Palmieri scores all his goals against the Bruins. There's, you know, small things like that. But I think that it's a great matchup for the Bruins. I think they're pretty evenly matched. Um, I think it's going to go – I mean, my predictions obviously mean nothing because I can't predict for the life of me. But I think it's going to go six or seven games. I think it's going to be really tough on both ends. But I think the Bruins will come out on top. I think that – they're a much different team than the team that played the Islanders in the beginning of the season through all those games. So I think kind of what we saw in the last two games against the Islanders is what we're going to see in the playoffs. Looking at it right now, the Bruins, especially down the stretch, had their way with the Islanders at home. They outscored them seven to one in like a back-to-back in mid-April. And then they did lose at home to the Islanders. It wasn't overtime as well. So, I mean, these – I'm just I'm I'm like scrolling through right now. One, two, uh, three, maybe three, two or three at least. Three or four games went to overtime or a shootout. 
between these two teams, which kind of speaks to how evenly matched they are. Um, Logan, is this a better matchup than the Penguins would have been in terms of trying to win a series? Uh, no, probably not. I think the Bruins are probably better built to face the Penguins. Um, just because I think the Penguins are a little bit looser defensively. And so that would bode well for the Bruins from like a, I guess from a use their speed and shoot from all over the ice type standpoint, like the Penguins are the type of team where like Craig Smith would have a monster series. The Islanders are the type of team where Nick Ritchie's going to have to have a monster series. That that's, and again, we got to the thing last week with the Capitals where it's like, you can't just play the Capitals game. Like the, I think the reason the Bruins won is because they played their brand of hockey and made the Capitals play to them, which they were unable to do. I think the Islanders you can't necessarily do that because you play similar games. I, I think with the Penguins, that's a little bit different. Um, and so I think from a pure matchup standpoint, they probably would have preferred Pittsburgh, but I don't think they look at the Islanders as a team that they can't beat. Like my pick, I guess, would be Bruins at six. Um, all right, that goes that question. I would have said like they I, – I think I tend to agree with what you just said, but like there also would have been a game in there, I think, against – the Penguins to where they would have lost like five to one <laughs> just because Definitely. that, that high end talent, I think is, is maybe even well, unmatched by the Bruins. If I may real quick, I yeah. forgot until Lauren brought it up. I forgot about the Kyle Palmieri factor. I forgot that he just murders the Bruins. So there's definitely going to be like a Kyle Palmieri hat trick game where he's Which all over the place and they can do nothing. Makes no sense. I don't, it doesn't feel like a thing in hockey. Like it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's just, I, I don't know. That That's just dumb luck, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe. Uh, all right, so you got the Bruins in six, Logan? Yeah. Lauren, what do you got? Bruins in seven. I'm going to go Bruins in seven as well. Um, I just think it's going to be in a lot of – hammer the under and everything because I just think it'll be a lot of low-scoring games. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be – I think this one is going to feel a little bit more like playoff hockey when it's all said and done. Not that – the intensity was lacking in that first round series, but I think you're going to have a lot of games where it's you're, you're, tra- you're chasing one late in the game. And I, I like the Brewers chances to, to get even. And you know, if they're, if they fall behind it here and there, um, but it's, it's going to be difficult. So I'm looking forward to it. Nesson will have uh, pregame and postgame coverage for every game. So be sure to check that out. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that in, unless this is a, a, some sort of a, a sweep or a, a five-game series, even, even that case, we did it last, last week, uh, the three of us will check in at, at some point in the coming week to, to kind of discuss what we have seen. So, uh, for Lauren and Logan, I'm Mike. This has been the Ness and Bruins podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.